The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, Frankfurt triumph in Europa League final shootout, leaving Rangers dealing with severe disappointments and a losing performance. We look back on Wednesday's game and the day a large corner of southern Spain turned Glaswegian. Check on Tuesday's events at the City Ground. Spot kicks as well and a dramatic finale to Forest v Blades. Also facing penalties, we hear from the High Court on the last day of the Rebecca Vardy trial. And we salute Blackpool's Jake Daniels. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Thursday the 19th of May. Good morning, listener. Now, our weekend preview show, the regular one, is going to be with you tomorrow because of the Thursday night action in the Premier League. But we're very much here today on the back of that Europa League final and more with Alex Kajelski on the way, Matt Davis-Adams as well, Tim Spears. And to kick things off, Mr Seville, Colin Miller is with us. And in Seville, John Campbell. Hello. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Very well. Morning, Colin. Good morning, James. Thanks for having me on. Not at all, not at all. Uh, Jordan, uh, what time did you get in? Uh, well, we, we're actually um, staying in uh, Huelva, so um, I think we actually get in about three o'clock, um, or half two, three o'clock, so um, yeah, it was a long day yesterday, but um, it was very dr- dramatic, so um, yeah, it was a very long day, but you know, it was an exciting final, probably didn't go the, the way that we were hoping, but yeah, it, it was so close, you know, to be decided by... By one kick, essentially. So, um, yeah. yeah, filled with drama. Yeah. I mean, how rare for a final to be decided on penalties. That's what only this and the Europa League last season and, of course, the European Championships. And then the European Super Cup at the start of the season, that also went to penalties. Carabao Cup went to penalties and also the FA Cup last weekend. So has there been a single final in the last 12 months that hasn't gone to spot kicks? The Champions League, I guess. It, it seems increasingly common, doesn't it? It, it, seems, it seems like this is happening more and more. It almost feels like teams are more willing to settle for penalties. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a, a psychological thing, maybe especially when it gets into the sort of extra time period. And I think you noticed that last night, that almost throughout the game, maybe both teams were slightly restricted in the sense that they were a little bit almost too scared of making the mistake the cost the match rather than sort of playing their their normal game and I guess that's that's just a normal thing with finals especially when mm. it's of this magnitude for, for these two teams yeah something an occasion which maybe they're not sure when they're going to have a chance like that again well let's get on to the game then and some moments of magic therein decided late on Wednesday night by that extraordinary Raphael Boré penalty here's German comms Boré läuft an Boré schießt And for some Scottish commentary, how about the moment that Ryan Kent thought he'd won it for the Jews? It's a trap! Ryan Kent looks to have definitely given Rangers the, the goal they needed before Kevin Trapp gets a knee to it. I think that's the most difficult thing for, for Rangers fans to, to, to take is that, you know, 118 minutes into the game, if you got offered that chance, you know it's right there in the palm of your hand to go and win the cup. And I know, I know that the, the defender sort of managed to get a bit of a, impede him slightly before he before he he got his foot in it. But you just watched it and it sort of went slow motion. You thought, 
that's it. You know, that's it there. I, I, I'm still not convinced I didn't actually see him score. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. still convinced I saw him score. But um, it's one of those you blink and all of a sudden, you know, Trap somehow managed to to dig the ball out. And the follow up from the from Stephen Davis as well. Yeah, I think that was going in Davis's uh, shot and uh, until it glanced off the off a defender's head. Um, I think the referee actually gave it a goal kick, but when you you looked at the, the, the replays, it was it looked like it was heading in. Um, mm. So I think that's the most difficult thing is like, you know, you can go to a final in 2008 and be outclassed by Zena and you sort of don't really lay a glove on them, but you can accept that you're never going to be able to compete. Whereas this was, Frankfurt were the better team. You know, I, I think the frustrating thing is for having followed Rangers and been at every leg on, on this knockout run is that, for, people, for all the millions of people who probably, maybe this was the first time they'd watched them or the second time they'd watched them, they probably did themselves a disservice in terms of how good a side they've been because they weren't anywhere near their best. Um, the nerves were really there in the first half and they kept going long a lot of the time and forcing things. Um, so, you know, I don't think you saw Rangers at their best, but the amount of games they've played this year is incredible. So they end up looking the much stronger team in extra time in the last 15 minutes. You know, I think if, if there's another 10 minutes, I think Rangers would have scored because mm. they looked the fitter side against Frankfurt. Um, and I think Van Bronckhorst had managed his subs quite well to, to get some energy onto the, the park. But sometimes football is just decided by one or two kicks, isn't it? Yeah, and when it's against the German side, it, it, it tends to go <laughs> their way. Yeah. It's funny, I, I mean, I don't know around you, but listening on, on uh, the commentary in the UK, most of... Second half and extra time was was spent calling for Aaron Ramsey to be brought on, but then after that penalty, not so much. I mean, if anyone's watched Aaron Ramsey at Rangers, then I don't think they would probably have uh, wanted him to start in a Euro League final because, you know, he's had a difficult couple of years in his career and he's not played much football, and I think you can see that in his performances. You know, the I think the intensity. A games has got the better of him at times. You know, there's certain occasions where it looks like you can still see in his head that he's thinking, but his feet aren't, his legs aren't quite keeping up. Um, and it's just one of those that I don't know whether it's because he's been playing such a high volume of football since he was 16. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's a lot of miles on the legs. Um, but I just I, I just didn't think he was an option to, to start and... You know, if you if you get fifteen half an hour out of him for a bit of magic, then fine. But you want your best players or your best, your most reliable, experienced players to take a kick. And you know, Alan, Aaron Ramsey's the most experienced player in the squad. So, yeah, it sort of summed up his time at Rangers. Really, to be honest, it's just not really worked out. And Jordan, I was I was going to ask in terms of the in terms of the signing of Aaron Ramsey. Obviously, that was that caught a lot of a lot of headlines, certainly outside of Scotland as well. And you know, obviously, a huge profile signing. But but is it a, is it an instance you think where where if you look at Rangers' most successful signings over the years, and, and you look at who was on last night, the likes of Joe Arribo or Calvin Bassey, Glenn Kamara, even Alfredo Morelos, who's obviously out injured at the minute. These are all guys who were plucked from relative obscurity in terms of in terms of their their background they certainly weren't the highest profile signings at the time they've all come in and, and made a really big impact and I think you can see from the the transfer policy that Rangers have had over the years that there's been a, a lot of a lot of structured thinking behind it in terms of how the, the squad's going to be made up and put together and how the mechanics of it and how it's going to work 
in terms of that, was this just would this not have happened? Would the deal for Ramsey not have happened had it not have been in the in the sort of closing closing days of of, of a transfer window? Well, I think you know the Ramsey signing was you know probably the, uh, on paper the big the biggest signing since you know Paul Gascoigne had, had joined Rangers, and that's in terms of his CV and where he's coming from at Juventus. But you know, I think Ramsey was was an exciting signing. It was a bit of a roll of the dice. Um, you know, could he give us that short term? Injection of quality that might make the difference in three, four, five games, and win is the league. Um, and then, you know, I don't think anybody was thinking about Europa League at that point. But hmm. by the time it was actually fit, the league was already pretty much done. So it just felt you had that sort of foreboding, like fear when he was walking up, because as I say, hmm. he's not had much luck the last couple of years, and I don't know sometimes just something builds in a player where you feel that nothing's going to go their way and. You know, I guess he's probably feeling like that as well. I think the other the other thing about it was that he was the only player who missed normally in a shootout. There's at least a couple. I mean, the standard the penalty was incredible. Like yeah. I, I think Alan McGregor was lying on the floor for about ten minutes staring at the at the sky because that was, might be his him bowing out there um, with Rangers, right. and he would always back he would always back McGregor to pull off a, a miraculous save. But I mean, Frankfurt's penalties were literally as perfect as you can get so <laughs> yeah Rafael Beret's winner was I mean what a way to finish off and particularly with the penalties being taken in front of the Rangers fans yeah uh, I think that the nerve that they showed was kind of extraordinary you know they well deserved to win it to be honest mm. um over the the course of the game but yeah it's just that that Ryan Kent chance that's that's the golden chance and I think that'll probably haunt him and this team for a, a long time, probably. But in the meantime, there's a big game coming up this weekend, no, Jordan? Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure how you suddenly come back for such a huge disappointment like that to then focus on the Scottish Cup. But I suppose this team obviously had their breakthrough moment last year when they won the league without losing a game. But I'm sure they all really want to add to their, their trophy haul because... You know this. This is the the last game before this team will probably, you know, be broken up to a certain extent with players retiring at a contract, moving on or being sold. You know they've been together a long time, so I think this is sort of one last hurrah, um, and hopefully they can go out in a high um, rather than the, the disappointment of losing two finals in a week. But mm. you know I'm sure Hearts are watching this, rubbing their hands, thinking if they can make it really uncomfortable for Rangers and really get in their face then there might be a bit of a hangover so I wouldn't be surprised actually if Van Bronckhorst changes it up quite a bit because I'm not sure how many of those players who have gone 90-120 minutes and suffered that sort of emotional trauma will you know be able to put in a top class performance so we might need to use the squad actually which is far from ideal but I think if they can get over the line then that will slightly help um, mm. Soften the blow. Just going back quickly to the to the Ryan Kent chance and obviously the the Ramsey penalty as well. The fact that they were both saves by Kevin Trapp, who the Eintracht Frankfurt goalkeeper, and he he was obviously the PSG goalkeeper a few years ago when he was much much maligned. I think at the time in terms of he just wasn't wasn't up to the standard whereby PSG wanted to be, and he then goes back to Germany, signed for Frankfurt, and he he went to the semi finals in his first season, and then obviously this year he was fantastic in the run, and he went back to the Camp Nou where he conceded six goals in that. Um, Ray Montada in 2017 and he was he was magnificent in that game he kept a clean sheet up until the 90th minute until those late goals but he's been an inspiration for Frankfurt and I think it's probably worth 
uh, giving him a quick mention just in terms of how, how important he was. Well, definitely. Well, in fact, Christoph Biermann's about to join us with the uh, the Eintracht Frankfurt perspective, a slightly different one on, on Wednesday nights. But, Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, no, no problem, mate. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Be well. And, uh, yeah, good luck for the, the end of the season and, and the summer, and we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. No, I will do. I may just need luck to get back to Scotland. Um, I've, got a, I've got a long journey ahead. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power and part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Christoph, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this Thursday morning. It's the first time since 1997 that a German club not called Bayern Munich has won a European title. And the fact that it's uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, not one of the big sides, entirely member-owned, how, how important is that? Uh, that's pretty important. I mean, we we had in recent years we had a uh, had a discussion about the uh, what we call traditionsverein, a traditional uh, clubs member um, uh, controlled clubs, and uh, especially the big ones were having a lot of problems with Schalke going down to the um, second division. Same with Werder Bremen, both coming up now. Hamburg still stuck in the second division, and 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 others more. And here we have Frankfurt as an example of a um, a Traditionsverein who is is actually able to create a a great story. And um, uh, coming back, I mean, they have been troubled in in the past. Uh, They have been going down to the second division. They had money problems and so on and so on. And they recovered from it. And now it's in Sevilla. They had their biggest day in their history, and uh, so so that's that's very special. Mm. They didn't lose a single game in in the competition this year. The, the final, with all the heat, the emotion, maybe it wasn't the finest performance from from either side, but there were moments of genius in there. The Bore equaliser and the trap save, of course. Yeah, um, this uh, Eintracht Frankfurt team, it's its not full of outstanding uh, players. Uh, so uh, where, where you would think that Real Madrid or, or Liverpool or Manchester City are queuing up now to, to buy these players. And funny story with Philip Kostic. I mean, before the start of the season, he, he went on strike because he wanted to leave Frankfurt. He wanted. Uh, he had an offer from Milan, and he wanted to go to Italy, and he was on on strike. and And normally, you wouldn't expect somebody like him in this kind of situation to recover so spectacularly. So there, normally, there is this um, kind of sour thing. He is not happy. We are not. Ha- fans are not happy with this kind of players when they want to strike their way out of of a club. But now it's. Probably he he is the key player uh, for the team. And uh, yesterday, um, with delivering the, the the cross for for the equaliser, he was a key man. So um, yeah, uh, one one of these fu- funny twists. And another one maybe Sebastian Rode, who had this very early head injury. I mean. Uh, all football fans are loving the players who run around with this kind of turban. And, <laughs> um, and and he was saying afterwards, I was immediately thinking of Schweini. And uh, so right. he was immediately thinking of Bastian Schweinsteiger in the 2014 um, World Cup final Germany against um, Argentina, uh, where he also had this very early 
injury and was like bleeding uh, to victory. <laughs> so, so that's uh, some nice heroics there. Oh, ab- absolutely. We, we all love seeing, seeing that. Uh, it's going to be pretty special for German sides in, in Europe next season. You've got, what, five in the Champions League and eight in European competition in total? Yeah, that's true. So it's 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 four, these four normal stops, and the the uh, winner Eintracht Frankfurt gets the extra spot, like Villarreal last year, and um, there are two um, two teams that will be going to the Europe, Europa League. That's Union Berlin and Freiburg, and um, Cologne to the Europa Conference League. Mm. And Christoph, finally. There have been difficult times for Frankfurt. Do you see this now as being the start of something big for for one of German football's possibly sleeping giants? Yeah, it reminded me yesterday, or also in in the weeks before, it reminded me a bit of Borussia Dortmund um, when Klopp came in. So, um, I mean, uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, winning the, um, uh, the Champions League in 1997 and then almost going bankrupt in, in years to come. And um, and then came uh, Jürgen Klopp as a kind of savior who, who, who woke up the, the, the whole, whole club and um, winning the German championship and in the end uh, coming to the Champions League final, um, unlucky losing to Bayern in 2013. So uh, I, I don't want to say that we will see... Um, Eintracht Frankfurt in the Champions League final in some years. But but the atmosphere around this club is similar. I mean, we are talking extensively about this. 10,000 going to Barcelona and, and, and everywhere else and these 50,000 going to Sevilla yesterday. And that is something also Borussia Dortmund at that time had. Like, like overwhelming the stadiums where they were going to. And and that's something special. And let me add some last uh, thought on it. Um, I I think this whole atmosphere around Eintracht Frankfurt and why it is so appealing, especially here in Germany, is I think there is a kind of longing for togetherness for a community for for shared emotions that we we, we didn't have uh, so long in the pandemic and and I mean Germany was was uh, the last of the big uh, football nations where where the restrictions uh, were lifted so it's not that long ago and I think everybody has a feeling that, that that you have to catch up in a way, and 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 Eintracht Frankfurt in a way is doing it for all of us, and um, and I think that's one of the reasons why they are uh, so much loved right now. Christoph Biermann. penalties needed on Tuesday night as well in the Championship Promotion Playoff second leg. Nottingham Forest, who in the course of the game went to three one up on aggregate against Sheffield United then found themselves in 3-3 and spot kicks followed. We'll talk about what happened there next. See the ballet last night, Dave? No, I missed it. Cracking performance from the Rom Bear. The lad de Silva's right on his game, banging in the pot of dirt he was. We know fans go a little gaga once the football season is over, so make the most of whatever's left with Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer. Money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet by the bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Begambleaware.org. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Gibbs White, All right, Tuesday night, Forrest's nail-biting playoff penalty shootout win over Sheffield United. Bree Samba with three saves. Totally Football League shows Matt Davis-Adams joins us now. Matt. James, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for covering this game for the Totally Football League show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, purely, uh, purely professional it was, which is why my nails are, are so gnawed, as you, uh, as you referred to. Hmm. Uh, the good news is Forest are through to their first ever playoff final. First trip to Wembley in 30 years. Huddersfield, that's a week on Sunday. Oh, my goodness. The planning and preparations of how we're going to get tickets and get there is well underway, I can tell you. Right. But that's over a week of wanting to hope but not daring to hope. How's that been so far? Yeah, you know, I sort of feel like, and I think this was borne out by the celebrations and and um, the pitch invasion, which I'm sure we'll come on to the, the bad aspects of that. But it, it almost feels like not that the job is complete. Obviously, you couldn't say that in a playoff final. But as you mentioned, 30 years since Forrest have been at Wembley, never, ever been in a playoff final and absolutely nothing to celebrate in the last 23 years. No cup runs, no playoff finals, you know, very few times where it looked as though the team were even playing in a cohesive manner. And I think that's why you saw the excessive celebration that you did on Tuesday plus you know we've been through 120 minutes plus of absolute torture but yeah it does feel like an achievement to even have, have reached Wembley we were one of those was it eight teams a handful of teams who hadn't played at Wembley since it had been redeveloped so so that's something but yeah obviously desperate to win uh, now they've got there. Mm. Where, where were you when Steve Cooper took over uh, bottom of the championship with four points from eight games so yeah I don't think anyone was considering trips to Wembley for playoff finals. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's all about Steve Cooper, you know, and to, and to a lesser extent, um, the chief executive came in in the summer and has worked so hard in, in terms of recruitment, Dame Murphy. But yeah, Steve Cooper is a, a phenomenal coach. And as um, Daniel Taylor's pointed out on The Athletic this morning, he's actually out of contract next year. So Forrest probably want to get that tied up fairly sharpish. Um, we I've spoken on the pod before about if we, Forrest don't get promoted this season, the team next season will be very different. It will be shorn of many of the players who've, who've got us to this point. But as long as Steve Cooper's there, you would think there was hope. But I'm sure he's attracting admiring glances. Mm. Steve Cooper, who was in the playoff final uh, last season with Swansea, uh, where he lost to Brentford. Uh, This time around, of course, could be a completely different story. Uh, Speaking of a completely different story, how much did the narrative swing regarding Brees Samba over Tuesday night? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he has been a beloved figure because he's an eccentric goalkeeper and you've only got to look at his Twitter feed to to find that out. But there was a time in February where he got sent off against Stoke. He'd actually conceded a very silly goal when Forrest beat Leicester in the FA Cup as well, um, which didn't matter in the end. But he got sent off at, at Stoke completely needlessly or against Stoke, uh, got a three-match ban and then was out the team for the, the subsequent four games. It looked as though he'd struggled to get back in. Uh, but on Tuesday night, he was the difference between Forrest reaching the final and not, you know, not not just those penalty saves and you know I'm sure we've all seen the water bottle with the players names on it and which way they were going to go but he made a save right at the start of the game when Forrest had started appallingly badly and then right at the end of extra time which were both extraordinary so yeah it's basically on him he's, he's got the freedom of the city now I think but the the second penalty save in particular where he stood still was remarkable we I was kind of at the other end of the ground and uh, couldn't believe that the ball hadn't crossed the line and that he just stood there and, and put his arm out and pinged it onto the crossbar it was an extraordinary save yeah well that was the good news for us the bad news of course the, the the pitch invasion the explosion of joy understandable the shocking assault on a blade striker Billy Sharp uh, very much not and good that a man has been arrested hopefully the right one uh, a worrying video, meanwhile, of a Sheffield United player appearing to then stamp on a Forest fan, but that'll all be uh, examined. Well, yeah, one thing I would say on it, James, mm. um, just just to try and put a, a semi-positive on it. If you if you look on uh, my Twitter page at Matt Davis Adams, I've retweeted something that somebody sent me this morning. Uh, Forest supporters are doing a fundraiser that the club were in contact with with Sheffield United, and and they spoke to Billy Sharp, and he's nominated a charity which is Martin's House Children's Hospice. Uh, so you can um, you can donate through a Just Giving page that I've retweeted. Uh, Forest fans are just raising a bit of money. They've already raised eleven thousand pounds actually oh, um, for that charity of Billy's choice because he's you know he's an ex-Forest player and he was a very popular Forest player as well it would have been shocking and disgraceful whoever it had happened to um, but that just made it extra worse but yeah hopefully that's the kind of one good thing that can come out of this Matt that address again uh, it is Ma- uh, Martin House Children's Hospice so you can either go to my Twitter page at Matt Davis Adams and you'll see it there or just search uh, Martin House and uh, they have a donate button on their website all right brilliant well more discussion about this and thoughts, I guess, on the big game Sunday week against Huddersfield in the Totally Football League show, which is out right now, I think. Is that right? I am just about to hop off this call and speak with Matt Bloomfield, the former Wickham captain, now Wickham coach, who will be helping us preview Saturday's League One uh, playoff final. And we'll also be talking about Mansfield. So there's two Nottinghamshire teams in playoff finals this season. And Notts County might even get to, um, to the National League playoff final as well. So it could be a hat trick. Crikey. All right. Totally Football League show will be with you by the time this drops, I should think. And of course, Duncan Alexander will be elbowing in uh, Wickham mentions in the course of tomorrow's Totally Football uh, show as well. Excellent. Matt, uh, enjoy that and best of luck, fingers crossed. And we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, James. Matt Davis Adams. Yeah, and obviously there's a there's a lot of um a lot of positive talk about Nottingham Forest run and r- rightly so it's remarkable but their opponents in the playoff final will be Huddersfield we all know we're in the Premier League relatively recently so it's not quite the same it's not quite the same story but they have had a remarkable run um, for themselves this year they've lost just two of their last uh, 28 league matches uh, in a run stretching back all the way to November so the run that they've been on under their Spanish coach Carlos Corberan is is sensational and another thing about Huddersfield is that they have been in the top 
two divisions of English football for the past decade. And this season was the first uh, campaign in which they recorded a positive goal difference, which is sort of remarkable in itself, but it's even more remarkable in the sense that even when they got promoted to the Premier League, they had a negative goal difference. And then even in the playoffs, they didn't technically win a game, yet they still went up. So this season, they have a much more, um, a much more impressive, um, impressive numbers behind them. So I think that's going to be a really, a really good final between two teams who've been on, on remarkable runs in the, in the second half of the season. Excellent. All right, that's coming up Sunday week. Next up on the Totally Football Show, Blackpool's Jake Daniels on Monday became the only openly gay male professional footballer in Britain and thus immediately a huge news story. The Athletics Editor-in-Chief, Alex Kajelski, uh, joins us now. Alex, crazy that man says he's gay should be a story, but that's football, I guess. It's football, and it, it's still weirdly kind of wide, wider society, but... It's not actually that long ago, really, that even actors and singers were still having to um, keep their sexuality uh, a secret. I always think back to Ricky Martin, um, Mm. who's probably one of the world's worst kept secrets. Um, Yeah, I I always think that a story like this kind of means different things for straight people and gay people. So I think there's a lot of really well-meaning straight people who are like, how is this even a story? We don't care. This is really great. We're really pleased for him, but this shouldn't even be news. And then you've got us gay people who are like, well, it is because we still get loads of abuse. We still don't feel that football's quite welcome for us. So we're like extra, extra happy, but we totally get why it's a story because without, I've said this a million times before, so apologies if anyone's ever bored people with it, but you know, I can't go to football holding my husband's hand and I worry about taking my kids there and things like that. Like football's not a great place for gay people all the time. So I genuinely thought this was going to be years. I'm so impressed by Jake Daniels, 17 years old. But yeah, it's it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise that it's important to I think to a lot of LGBT people. But I guess I understand why it is to others. Within the context of football, because there loads of footballers are gay, but a huge that that one has now felt that he's comfortable coming out and and, or has the courage to come out and say so, and, and hopefully that we can move beyond the kind of don't ask, don't tell culture which seems to exist within football and particularly important I guess given other events this week Alex uh, the the story in Ligue 1 with uh, Idrissa Gay who didn't play in Paris Saint-Germain's uh, fixture last Sunday uh, when Ligue 1 was doing a league-wide LGBTQ plus uh, rainbow numbers on shirts uh, initiative and uh, debate there that the, the French League have written to him asking why he didn't do it. But in the meantime, massive support for him from his Senegal teammates and from the president of Senegal as well, saying that his religious beliefs should be should be respected. Football's in this weird kind of almost schizophrenic position now where you'll have clubs like PSG supporting these initiatives, but owned by states like Qatar, where homosexuality is illegal. I mean... It was such a reminder, that story, following on from the Jake Daniels one, (laughs) that there's a long way to go. But it's so complicated, right? Like football is this global sport played by people from around the world with lots of different views and beliefs and upbringings. And I'm still trying to work out like where I stand in this in, in terms of should people really be like dragged, kicking and screaming to support something that they've they don't believe. Right. It's a really complicated question. <laughs> um, I have an issue that I, I get that the clubs 
as commercial entities and are like, right, we're going to try and do our best and support something, right? And it's better than not doing it. Mm. It's also really easy to turn your club Twitter handle rainbow and put out a statement at a time when everyone else is putting out a statement and then seemingly incredibly hard to criticize your player or back the LGBT community when it actually matters. Like, you know, Ishmael Asar at Watford, you know, was supporting um, gay in his stance to sort of choose. Okay, fine. That's a really tough conversation. But Watford didn't come out and say, we as a club disagree with Sars statement and we back LGBT people. They didn't even name him. And it's the clubs are very quick to do the things that they're supposed to do when they get praise and very slow to do what they need to do when there's actual homophobia. Mm. Although I think Patrick Vieira this Thursday morning has said that he will be having a conversation with uh, Coyote, who also expressed his support for... Yeah, I think Vieira you know, came across pretty well and that he said he'd have a conversation. Leicester were very proactive with Papi Mendy. They said they've spoken to the player. They explained to him why it would be deemed offensive and the post has come down. I thought Leicester handled that really well, actually, um, comparatively. I thought PSG have handled it pretty poorly because they're very quick to say we're we're against discrimination. And lovely that they backed the uh, initiative in the first place, but they, they haven't said, and we disagree with the stance of our play. Is it really hard that hard to say, our player thinks this, we disagree with them. We're going to have a chat to them to explain why we feel the way we do as a club and see where we go from there. You don't have to throw them under the bus. But it's a problem that football's going to have to deal with and continue to deal with because people have got lots of views on different things. And yet, as a corporate entity, they have decided this is what we stand for. Um, it's not easy and it's not as simple as saying clubs should come down like a ton of bricks on every player who disagrees with their you know, what, what the business has decided. So I'm not sure that's fair either. Mm. Um, yeah. Good luck, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I mean, a positive week, uh, especially from uh, Jake Daniels' uh, position. And and also, I think, because for so long, football has been in this kind of Schrodinger's equality uh, decision position, it, where it's simultaneously owned by massively repressive entities and at the same time making kind of superficial gestures in one direction it would be good for people to to take a to take a stance a little bit more clearly perhaps anyway there you go a positive week i'm going to say positive week just really important now that football doesn't think pat itself on its back and think we've done it it definitely hasn't like it took one incredibly brave kid and everyone at blackpool apparently was absolutely brilliant behind the scenes great good week first step cricket and rugby thought they had it made when Stephen Davis and Gareth Thomas came out and I haven't seen all the other players who followed them. So people need to carry on being supportive and carry on doing all the good things and then maybe things will feel a bit more normal in a few years. All right, brilliant. Alex, thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure. The Athletics Editor-in-Chief, Alex Kajowski there. Uh, Next up, tackling one of the biggest stories of the season, we welcome Tim Spears. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Which is excellent news for Everton fans when they make their Lampardian transition from serious to funny to serious once again. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. It's the 19th of May, listener. On this day in 2013, what happened? Sir Alex Ferguson took charge of Manchester United for the last time in the league. Do you remember? After 27 years as manager, it was the end of the season. Man United had been champions, just been crowned champions, full 11 points clear of Manchester City. And they signed off by putting five goals past West Brom. West Brom also put five goals past Man United, uniquely, because it was the only time in the Premier League's history that that scoreline, 5-5, has ever been recorded. Woohoo! Anyway... That has no connection with what we're about to discuss. But then what does? Tim Spears joins us almost live from the High Court. Tim, it's 2022. So, of course, the High Court is discussing Peter Andre's Wang and Instagram as part of the Rebecca Vardy libel trial. How many days have you been there? Uh, I, I, I did a couple of days early this week. But obviously, as, as, as was with the whole nation, I've been glued to, to every, every cough and spit that's come out of the courtroom, right? Right, right. Have you spent much time in court before? Yeah, I've I've um, covered you know some some really important cases, uh, murder trials, terrorism cases, but obviously this this tops a lot, doesn't it? For okay. importance, right? Uh, you've also you cover the Wolves, you know, for your day job with the Athletic, which involves some trials as well, I, I suppose. But what what's been the weirdest thing that you've heard in court over the last few days? Oh wow. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned I'm a Wolves, Wolves follower. I, I, I always thought having Steve Ball's number in my phone would be my career highlight. But obviously, hearing Colleen Rooney talk a quarter of them through how to create a story on Instagram, you know, was 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 quite something. Um, I uh, just just the kind of theatre of of Rooney versus Vardy, the footballers, was was really something to witness this week. Rooney basically brought up a meeting that the pair had had at Euro 2016, allegedly, where uh, Wayne had to tell Jamie to calm down his wife over the uh, the column that she was writing in the sun during the tournament. Um, now, Jamie knew that Wayne was going to say this. Witness statements had been sort of dished out some time ago. So it seemed quite pointed that he was there in court, sat 10 feet away from him um, and staring right at him. Um, and then... Jamie later put out a statement saying that, that what Wayne was saying wasn't true in his eyes and that no, no, no such meeting happened. Um, 
so yeah it's been um it's been a trial of a lot of titillating revelations really in this in this very esteemed courtroom where there are far far more important things going on but it but it has been fascinating to watch mm. by the sound of it quite a seismic kind of fracture uh, there in uh, between two of the pillars of of the england england game when is the trial actually over tim so it's due to finish um at some point on thursday um but the judgment actually probably won't come for a couple of months right so um, the judge will be doing that on instagram by saying the winner is dot 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 She'll be selecting who can who can view her stories, um, and Rebecca will be able to view the judgment um, just on Instagram. So um, that's what I'm told will happen. <laughs> okay, it, it, are there beyond the just bizarreness of it all? Are there serious questions here uh, in, in a football sense? He said, struggling slightly. I haven't asked myself any, <clears throat> um, and I, I don't. I don't think there are any. I mean, it, it is. It is just completely bizarre, as you suggest, this sort of right. clash of banal celebrity tabloid culture with this, with these very intelligent, high-class, well-paid lawyers. You've got Quentin Letts and Lizo Mazumba in the same courtroom, which, I, which I just, I'm, I'm sure that's never happened before. Um, you know, two two journalists at opposite ends of the news uh, spectrum. So. Um, no, I haven't asked myself any, any, any serious questions yet. I, I don't think there are many to come. Okay. But in terms of the verdict, obviously, we're not in a position, I think, legally to discuss what the verdict might be. But I think, apart from Peter Andre, the other big loser of this is Rebecca Vardy. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's not a jury trial, so, so there are different aspects to, to in terms of the court reporting. You know, the judge will, will sort of lock herself away, I'd imagine, for, for a couple of months. And cry reading through uh, thousands of text messages and, and, and viewing Instagram stories and maybe sort of gazing out of a window, you know, wondering um, what she's doing with her life uh, this summer. Um, but yes, in terms of, um, it's, uh, people might not be aware, you know, Rebecca Vardy has actually brought this case to court um, and the Roonies have, the Roonies have said throughout they just they just don't want to be there at all, um, to which I, n- I nodded along in court. Um, and... Um, <laughs> um, it's basically, despite the fact it's, it's Vardy who's brought this case, it's basically up to Colleen to prove that her allegations, which famously came out in, in October 2019, are, are correct. So she's talked us through her sting operation, as it's, as mm. it's been called repeatedly with straight faces, um, and her uh, investigation. So yes, but in terms, of, um, in terms of who's come out of it very well, yes, I'm sure people have seen things about stories being leaked from the Leicester dressing room uh, about Danny Drinkwater and Riyad Mahrez suggested to come via Rebecca Vardy or her agent so um, whereas Colleen and and Wayne have put on a very sort of defiant front you know smiling at journalists opening doors for people whereas the Vardy's just sort of maybe seem a little bit embarrassed to be there so um, they haven't come out of it very well. Mm. Indeed Tim Uh, what a lovely report that is though Uh, many thanks for being there so we don't have to. Just for you. (laughs) <laughs> we'll we'll catch up with you with breaking news of the verdict whenever that comes can't wait alright and maybe some wolves if that's before that would be nice Yeah. alright then best of luck Tim thank you The Athletics Tim Spears well there you go Colin it's been a broad ranging uh, discussion or set of topics on today's totally do you feel enriched illuminated 
Uh, yeah, wide range and certainly tying up a lot of a lot of loose ends. Very end of season feel to it with with the mm. odd the odd final penalty shootout thrown in. So yeah, typical typical end of season podcast. I think very very Indeed. good. Not not quite the end of season though because there's the final day drama of the Premier League amongst other things, and tomorrow, aka Friday the twentieth, we'll be back in the Tootley Studio, notional though it is, uh, with uh, Duncan Alexander and Charlie Eccleshare uh, to preview. The final round of fixtures. Do join us for that, listener, out sometime around Friday lunchtime, UK time. Colin, many thanks for being with us today, along with all our other guests. Producer Charlie, thanks for sticking it all together. And you, listener, for providing an outstanding pair of ears. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app, and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.